I personally see how it's possible to operate in a, let's say, at least hybrid world where you work from home, clients, location, traveling, and, and sometimes in an office. So I knew it was possible. But then at the same time, I was also wondering, well, how come we have so much resistance toward that? I was looking at article in the Harvard Business Reviews from 1998. <laughs> They were looking at how to make it productive. They were calling that the alternative workplace arrangement or, or something like that. So I keep asking myself, it's possible. The concept is there, yet somehow there's a lot of reluctance. And after asking many people and searching, it, it always comes down to one thing, what you could call managerial trust. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. You know, I got to tell you one thing. I love to be wrong. Let me tell you that. When, when I say something and somebody else comes to me and says, you're wrong because of this and this and that, and they show me the data and the evidence, I, I love to be proven wrong. But sometimes I like to be proven right too. And that means that I enjoy connecting with people that somehow uh, validate some of the ideas, uh, some of the philosophy about work that I have talked about for so long. And when you find somebody else that is kind of on the same page, you, you feel some level of validation, re reinforcing, right? I mean, you don't have to be totally right, but at least finding that gang, that, that crowd that you can, you know, uh, talk to about similar things, that's really exciting. And one of those things that I have been speaking about for a long time is that a lot of the changes that, has, that have been happening in the workplace, especially because of the pandemic, none of, the, none of these things are new. A lot of these things have been around for a long time. It's only that we didn't want to tackle the challenges. We didn't want to see the opportunities as opportunities to do better and create more value in different ways. So I am really excited that today I'm going to be chatting with somebody who is part of this group of people that believe in what's, you know, in the changes that we need to make in the workplace to make them better more valuable for people, to create more value for the shareholders and the stakeholders of those organizations. So I'm going to be talking today with Benui, um, who is an HR leader. He has been in the HR space for more than 10 years in academia, more than 12 years in consulting now with Phenom People as a talent experience uh, management expert. So Benoit, welcome. I said Benoit before. It's Benoit. I got to be sure yes, that I said yes, that right. Benoit, welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> Thank you very much, Enrique. Very glad to be here. I have to, I have to improve my friends, my, fr my, my French. <laughs> no problems, no problems. Uh, you know, I, I am excited about this conversation, Benoit, because uh, you know, you you have been working on this concept of abrupt future. Uh, you created your podcast around it, your blog around it, and let me begin by asking you this. You know, I said before that a lot of the things that you have put forward as ideas, as, as concept. I, I am in complete alignment with that. And one of the things that you have been saying is, for example, in the, in the context of remote work, this is not a new thing. You know, this has been around for 20, 25 and more time ever since the advent of technology and the advent of the internet. What has been preventing us, preventing our organizations from actually embracing all these new things that we could embrace to do better? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I ask myself the question many times and then for two reasons. Number one, because I personally see how it's possible to operate in a, let's say, at least hybrid world where you work from home, clients, location, traveling, and, and sometimes in an office. So I knew it was possible. But then at the same time, I was also wondering, well, how come we have so much resistance toward that. I was looking at article in the Harvard Business Reviews from 1998. <laughs> they were looking at how to make it productive. They were calling that the alternative workplace arrangement or, or something like that. So I keep asking myself, it's possible. The concept is there, yet somehow there's a lot of reluctance. And after asking many people and searching, it, it always comes down to one thing, what you could call managerial trust, which is the fact that broadly speaking, we don't want to put everybody in the same category, of course, but broadly speaking, most managers and leaders were in large part reluctant to let their employees have that level of autonomy. Because there is this old reflex or habit, I should say, that when you see somebody working, you know they are working. And again, it's it's. I, I also want to make sure that we 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 empathize with that and we try to understand that from their perspective, because we're built to trust what we see. For many many years ago, you were working pretty much where you were living with people you were seeing face to face. Now, in the last 20, 30 years, we invent the concept of you could be working and I'm your boss and I'm not seeing you. So the, the real, the biggest technological innovation is actually trusting people. Yeah. The technology is just the, the enabler. So for, for all of these reasons, and, and probably many more, but uh, I think there's I know this is sort of the positive thesis, right? I mean, we're, we're not used to that, so it's new. There's also the other side of that thesis, which is a little less fun to contemplate, is that a lot of manager might be sometimes conflating patrolling with managing or have a need to micromanage people. Again, again, there's a lot of fantastic leaders out yeah. there, right? We yeah. want to be I, I love that you said before that the biggest innovation of these times is trusting people. I have... Um, not only do I agree with you, I have never heard it that way, and I'm, I'm reflecting about it, and, and it's true. I mean, the technology has been there. Of course, it's evolved, but it's been there enabling us to do better if we choose to do better and in the areas that we choose to do better. So if we choose to trust people more, technology is going to help us do that. But at the same time, the flip side of that is that if we choose to micromanage people more, technology is going to also help us do that, and that's not positive, right? Um Yes. You know, Benoit, there's there's one one quote that I that I love by an environmentalist and naturalist, uh, um, John Muir. Uh, he lived at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, the quote is that it says that you cannot pick out anything in the world without finding finding that one thing hitch to everything else in the in the universe. And basically, what it, what what that means in the context of what we're talking about is that uh, you know you can't solve one problem without looking at the, ver at, the, at the entire picture of all the elements impacting that problem. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's fun, it's fun to think or funny to think about, you know, remote work and distributed teams, if, you know, without looking at leadership, management, 
processes, indicators, you know, all of these components that go hand in hand with the very concept of distributed teams. What do you think about that? What are the, what are the core elements that you think we have to look at in order to be building a culture that is truly valuable and effective when it comes to distributed teams? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of core components, and it's right. When I started to look at it more deeply, start a podcast, started to read, talk with a lot of um, experts, and, and so on, I, I also came to the same conclusion. And even when I tried to write a summary, I realized that all my points were supporting each other's. So I think there, number one is, and we've, saw, we've seen that with the pandemics, is that working is an activity that is embedded in somebody's life. It sounds trivial, but you really need to repeat that out loud to really absorb the fact that when somebody is working, that person is finding time for work. Yeah. So if you are telling that person that the only time they could be productive or that they could be a good employee is by driving an hour or an hour of public transportation, sitting in an office, walking in at the same time as everybody, leaving at the same time, and then repeating. <laughs> I think we are not taking into account people's life. And some people love their commute, and that's perfectly fine. Again, so the, the embeddedness in somebody's life, the managerial culture, which we already talked. And I think the, the other component would be our ability to coordinate, to collaborate, to work together, despite the um, lack of physical proximity. Yeah. And I, I want to highlight that because technology showed us that we can do that. And the next step, though, is to embrace asynchronous work. Yeah. Because right now, the pandemic forced everybody to work from home, have the same nine to five logic, um, but I think over time, organization that do it mindfully will start having a bit more of a work culture or work habits where you don't need to be live all the time. You need some overlap, but the idea that you could be working on your own will be also important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, this, this takes, me, takes, takes me back to the idea that, um, that if, if, if a company... Uh, and especially the HR leaders of that organization, if they want to build a culture that works in this new way of working, meaning distributed teams and remote work, they have to reassess uh, not only the, the policies that allow people to work from home, but there's a lot of elements uh, that go, uh, you know, hand in hand with building this culture. And you mentioned a few of them. You know, I, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, you know, February or March of last year, I started talking to people because they were, you know, trying to decide how and what to do. And one thing that I told them is, you know, number one, be flexible. And number two, don't try to replicate what you do in the in-person world to the remote work, because that won't work. What's happening, you know, if, if, if you are used to having, for example, a meeting at 8 a.m. every day, but now you have people working from home who have to be also homeschooling their children or connecting them to the, to the online classes because they are not going to school either. And that happens to be at 8 a.m. You can't force them anymore to connect at 8 a.m. for a meeting. You have to have a different mindset. And, and that's quite complicated because it's like disrupting a way of working that has been around for so many years. Yeah, because the, the live connection 
is a substitute for physical proximity because I speak, you hear my voice, you respond to me right away, I hear your voice. So despite the distance, we're still operating with the same codes. The next step, right? We trust people to work from home. Now the next step is trusting people to work at different time or work when we don't work. I mean, some people love to wake up early. That's my case. Some people like to work uh, late at night. Some people like to break their day in different pieces. Some people yeah. like to do the good old nine to five, and that's perfectly fine. The, the question is, are people achieving their objectives? Yeah. So the next level in the evolution of trust between employers and employees is, on the one hand, I think for on the employer side, it's giving that flexibility, not just where they work, but when they work. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, with great power come great responsibility. <laughs> if you are an employee, um, I I expect that you will be on top of all of your emails, right? In the sense that if we're not using the live communication as often so that people have flexibility, we need to be on top of things. We need to be able to follow up. We need to be very diligent in how we use, manipulate information, uh, manage project and so on. Otherwise it's breaking the trust. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let, let me ask you something, Benoit, uh, you know, as- we're getting closer to wrapping up our conversation and you you, you know the, the changes that we are going through in the world and particularly when it comes to the world of work it you know they are complex changes right i mean th- there's a lot of models and frameworks that we they are on on and like on artificial oxygen right i mean they are you know the artificial life right i mean we are pumping oxygen to them to try to keep them alive but they are dead. It's just that we haven't fully realized that they are already dead and we haven't fully realized what the new thing will be. So this creates a very complex kind of a outlook of what the future could look like. But if we can make it more tangible for HR leaders, if you can tell them, focus on these one, two, three things that are more tangible for you um, and they can have a large impact in your new framework of work. What would you tell them? What would what would you tell to HR leaders? Focus on these two, three things. Yeah, I mean, what, one of the things that I would always advise is to uh, take feedback input directly from employees. Because in the face of complexity, nobody will come with a single model. Yeah. I also find it a bit constraining when I see a lot of organization trying to have some kind of fixed schedule where they say everybody in the office Monday and Thursday or two days a week but choose yours it's still a bit too too much work I I think in the long run exactly so I would say experiment try something simple like an MVP maybe it's it's full full freedom and then try to restrict a little bit or, or, you know, experiment, but get employee feedback in the simplest way, whether you like it, yes or no, scale of one to five, whatever that is, but evolving that work with personas rather than policy. It's not about having the table of the 10 commandment of what to do. Let's have a model of what distributed work would look like and then pilot and scale and then refine and I would say then, if you have something that works, share it with the world. A company like uh, Doist and, and other who are 
completely distributed have been doing a phenomenal job at sharing their learning online. I think once you have experiment with the right framework, the key is to test it, scale it, retest it, and then share with the rest of the world. Company like Doist, a company who produce a, a software for coordination and project management, have done a fantastic work at sharing all of their learning online so that you can learn from the experiment. So I think as a global community, we should be sharing our learning and our different experiments because yeah. we don't know what's going to work. Absolutely. And, and you know, one thing that to me has been very important is that uh, as you provide flexibility, if there are, there will be always in work and life instances where you have to set some, some rules. And to me, as long as you can explain the why of those rules, you are going yeah. to be in a great place, right? I mean, if people understand, I mean, they don't have to agree with the rules, but at least they have to understand what, what why those rules are being set up. I mean, I, I remember talking to an HR leader from a company and she said to me, you know, we're going to institute a three day in the office and two day working from home. And I asked her why. And she said, well, you know, because that's the way that's the way we, we want to work. And I'm like, that's that's not an explanation that people will truly understand. So um, Benoit, thank you so much for sharing these insights uh, with me. I truly appreciate it. And I am sure the community will be, you know, uh, fully valuing uh, all these these ideas and hopefully putting some of them into practice. So thank you so much for being with me in the podcast today. Absolutely. That was my pleasure. Thanks a lot for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.